When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to the Joan Hamburg Show. And a real treat, the one, the only, Billy Porter, an actor, a singer, a director, a playwright, you name it, a dancer. I didn't want to leave that out. And, you know, it's fascinating. I got Billy's memoir, which is only out a couple of weeks, called Unprotected, a memoir. And I sat there and I kept thinking to myself, how did this human being grow up to be this incredible Renaissance man? He had talent from the time he was just a tiny child. But how did a kid survive this kind of childhood that he had to be a black kid, a gay kid? to deal with a very complicated family, abuse by a stepfather, a church so religious there was no room in the church for someone like Billy Porter. How did this kid survive all this, come out of it, and not only become a major presence in the world of art and in so many other worlds, but whole? And Billy, thank you. The book is going to be inspirational to so many people. And it's a real survival story in every single aspect of it. But what interests me is when you finish writing this memoir, and you have already had so many successes in the theater and kinky boots and television everywhere, was this even after all the success and some failure along the way, a healing process for you. It was very much a healing process. It's very much is a healing process. You know, healing is not linear. Um, It's active, just as love is an action. Um, To heal is an action. And we have to show up as individuals every day and understand that we must be active in our own healing. And, you know, what was really significant about writing this book and about being an artist, you know, the subtitle of the book is healing my trauma Mm -hmm. through my art, you know? And so what I realized in the writing of this book while simultaneously being in trauma therapy is that my whole life has been about using my art for healing. Um, So the short answer is yes, it has been very healing and it continues to be healing. I'm working on the audio book right now. I'm on chapter 15. Wow. And the more I read, the more, the lighter I feel, um, 
you know, to be able to uh, have a space. You know, we as artists are very blessed to have the space to, like I was saying before, actively work towards healing. When I think about Pray Tell and I think about Pose, you know, Pray Tell stood in proxy. His journey stood in proxy for my own healing. His journey cracked me open and grounded me enough so that I could tell the world. And of course, let's remind, Billy, the audience, that that was your TV series where you start in that three seasons and Pray Tell is your character. So Yes. And Pray Tell is my character on Pose. And Pose is set during the AIDS crisis. And my character um, contracts HIV in season one and dies in season three from AIDS. And, you know, I held on to the information of my own HIV status for 14 years. I was silent for 14 right. years. You never told. And, and it was the healing energy of pray tell, you know, shame is a silencer. And so I was living under the cloud and stuck in the quagmire of shame for the majority of my life. And the, the, the proxy of pray tell going through the very same thing that I have gone through in my life gave me the space to be able to no longer be silent and therefore be free. Um, It's been very profound. Mm. And it's very profound reading it. And as I'm coming along with you with this journey, I -hmm. kept saying to myself, even Billy, with this enormous gift from the time you were three, four years old, even before, can humans leave the past behind, even with success, even with getting through some of the worst things? But I get the feeling that you did that. That did happen to you as you continued on, which is a really rather extraordinary well, thank you. And I and I want to and I want to just say that it is continuous. You know, it's a continuous journey. I'm in the middle of healing. I'm somewhere in the middle of it. You know, it's not perfect. It's not totally, you know, I don't know that it, we we ever get to total, you know, 100% right. at all times every day. But um, it is something that feels like healing right now to me. And I am so grateful for it. I really, really am. I'm talking to Billy Porter. And, you know, I don't really have to introduce all of you to Billy. I'll never forget when I went to see Kinky Boots. And I remember, I, you know, I hadn't really read a lot about it. I went to the opening and... You just blew the place apart. Oh, and thank it, you. No, it was, I, and I kept thinking, you know, as a performer, what joy this character and you, you took over the stage 
and what this meant to you. Because yeah. all along the way, very few things stop you. I loved hearing your story about Jennifer um, Holiday when mm-hmm. she was in Dreamgirls. Mm-hmm. And you heard that voice. I remember listening to her when she was a whole mm-hmm. different person and thinking, I-, I can't believe I'm hearing this coming out of a human being. <laughs> right. Right? right. Yeah. Absolutely. And you described you were in your kitchen and this was on a little television in there. Yeah. yeah, And it was. And then tell the audience when you read that there was going to be an audition and you had to go to Chicago, you were a kid in high school, but so (laughs) affected by this. You know, I was 16 years old. Um, You know, I got bit by the bug of musical theater when I was 11. You know, I was in the ghettos of Pittsburgh. There was nobody around me in my immediate family or my community who understood anything about show business and never about theater. Um, And my pursuit started at 11. And so by the time, you know, there were many angels in my life, you know, who entered my life. And I talk about this in the book just at the right time to like push me in the right direction to the next space that I should be at. And so, you know, when I was in high school, I went to a creative and performing arts high school in Pittsburgh. You know, my drama teacher saw me. She really saw me. She saw my passion. She saw my energy. She really understood my talent. She understood that I could do it for real. And she introduced me to the trade paper. She said, I think you might enjoy this. It's called Backstage Magazine, and it's where all the auditions are. And, you know, I just thought you'd like it. And so she gave me a copy of Backstage, and I went home, and I just, I I went through, and I read all the auditions, and I circled them. And then in the back, you could subscribe. So I got a subscription to Backstage Magazine when I was 15, 14, 15 years old. So I was getting every Wednesday the trade paper from New York City where all the auditions were there. And I would circle the auditions that I would go to if I lived in New York and I could. You know, that is what I call speaking life into yourself. That is, you know, the the uh, the law of attraction to me. Of course. You know, so when I was 16 and there was an audition for Dream Girls, uh, and it was in Chicago, and I happened to have the Friday off from school in Chicago. I mean, in Pittsburgh. Um, I uh, took my own money. I told my mother that I was going to a friend's house to spend the night. And I got on an Amtrak train to Chicago for 13 hours. And I you were just a kid. I was 16. I got off the train. I found the building. This is before mm. GPS. This is before any of that. Course. Um, I went to the audition and I got back on a train and came back home for 13 hours before anybody knew I was missing. Right. And the audition itself was an amazing story because I learned, and I didn't know that, that union companies yeah. have to have auditions. Exactly. Well, I never, I didn't realize that even though there was no room. 
So you auditioned practically to, you know, there weren't a lot of people auditioning. It was you and two of the principals from the show. Well, the casting director and the resident director who was also a principal in the show. And they loved you, but you Mm -hmm. were just a kid and there was no work. (laughs) And you lied about your age and about high school and everything. (laughs) Yeah, well, I didn't lie about high school, but I did lie about my age. I was 16 and you were supposed to be 18 to 25. And so I said I was 18. (laughs) <laughs> and they st- and I had a baby face, and I still have a baby face. And they were like, "Yeah, you're a little young, um, but you're extremely talented." And um, once they found out that I had like gotten on a train and come there myself, it was Vinny Liss, um, casting director, very famous casting director at the time. He's no longer with us, and he looked me straight in my face, and he was like, "Son, you're going to be just fine. You really, truly are." Um, and so I held that in my heart and, um, I got on the train and came back to Pittsburgh and kept on working. Right. Despite the heartbreak that your fantasy to be in this show (laughs) couldn't really happen at the moment. Yeah. I cried all the way home. I cried for 13 (laughs) hours on the train all the way home. (laughs) But when, (laughs) but Billy, I'm talking to Billy Porter, when, all is said and done. The book now out for a month and everything. What do you think was in you that enabled you to survive really horrific things? I mean, even just the bullying from the kids in school, from your own mother not believing that her husband, your stepfather, whom you kids had adored in the beginning, was and had abused you. It was like you were alone in all of this. Well, let me correct you. Let me correct you there. Just a little slight correction. My mother always believed me. Right. But? My mother was disabled. Right. So, therefore. She needed him. She didn't have any means to take care of herself. So I took myself out. I extracted myself from the family because I was old enough to take care of myself. I went away to college at 17 and I just never went back. Right. And to a wonderful college. Yes. I went to Carnegie Mellon. Yes. Mm -hmm. Down the street from my house, like literally a 10 minute drive from my house. Uh (laughs) But your mom was so proud and thrilled that her child got into this school and got in on a scholarship. One of the great schools in acting Yes, program yes, too. yes. And my mother has always been, you know, I speak of her, you know, she's very religious, uh, Christian. And I always speak of my mother as being a true Christian, you know, one who practices what she preaches. Uh-huh. You know, she didn't understand me at the beginning. Um, you know, the Bible says that being gay is an abomination. That's the only thing that she understood. And when she was presented with a gay son, she did the work, the Christian work that was necessary to bypass her community. And that was hard. Who were actively telling her Turn to your reject back. me. Mm-hmm. They were actively telling her to reject me. And she chose love over fear. 
and I am forever grateful. Um, you know, it has been um, one of my greatest gifts in my life to watch my mother evolve through her own Christianity. She evolved. Um, and I just love that. Well, it's fantastic. And speaking about the church, you talk about, well, Billy fashion sense is incredible. And he was a chance taker. And who doesn't remember the Oscars when <laughs> he was, no diva ever looked like that. It was just extraordinary. But a lot of, thank you. but Billy, you say a lot of that fashion sense and taking a chance and all that came from the church because the church was where everyone could get all done up, fabulous hats and new suits for occasion and new clothes. And it had a big yeah. impact on you. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm first generation post-civil rights movement. And our, um, you know, we were taught that the first impression that people see of you is what you look like. So you have to dress. You have to be a credit to your race. You have to dress and look put together. And, you know, at that time, it was about suits. You know, my favorite time of year was Easter and Christmas because I got an Easter suit and a Christmas suit for church <laughs> every year. You know, and it was my favorite time. And, you know, going to church was fun early on for various reasons, for the music and for the fashion. Everybody knows now, you know, around the world that the black church is a fashion show. Right. Always has been, you know, um, because it's a space that we came together as a community in our Sunday best to worship. Um, and, uh, you know, my grandmother was a seamstress and she would make, you know, the, the, the Vogue patterns and the, you know, all those patterns right. that, you know, used to exist for the ladies, and then we would get our suits purchased. Um, and so it instilled in me, and my Aunt Dorothy, my great Aunt Dorothy used to say, you know, dress for the job you want, not the one you have. Good advice. That has always stuck with me, you know, all the way through to Kinky Booth, when, you know, I was, in, you know, I had always planned in Kinky Boots to um for press you know to have a look and my look was geek chic you know bow ties and pocket squares right. and colors and you know I, was, I had planned it i had planned it and i hadn't been on broadway for 13 years before kinky boots and so the last time i had been on broadway was pre-social media so we were out of town. We were in Chicago. We were in previews. We had been rehearsing all day. Um, we did our first preview. I came out looking like a vagabond, like we as theater people did prior to social media. And a bunch of people took pictures. I signed a couple of autographs. I woke up the next morning, and every single photo was online mm. of me looking like a vagabond. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, my God. I'm going to have to dress up every day. And I proceeded for three years 
to dress up every day, to go to the show, to represent the show, to come out afterwards and represent the show, represent myself, dressing for the job that I want, not the one that I had. And look at what has happened since. It's fantastic. And as you point out, success is the best revenge. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. (laughs) I love that. But tell me now, what the book is out, a great success. You've done incredibly well. What's on the Billy Porter list now? Directing, writing, back on Broadway? Well, um, I am back into the mainstream pop music industry. I just released a single called Children, um, and I signed an unprecedented deal um, with Republic Records here in America and Island Records in the U.K. And so these two conglomerates are working together to make sure that I have the pop music career that I've always dreamed of. So that's happening. Um, This summer, I directed my first teacher film for Orion Pictures. Um, It's called What If? Well, it was called What If? Um, Unfortunately, uh, you know, Marvel has a television show now called What If? So we have to change our title. Um, So the the working changing title is uh, uh, Anything's Possible. Um, It's a coming-of-age rom-com in the spirit of the old John Hughes movies. Uh, populated with what the world looks like today. And by that, I mean our heroine is a black trans girl. And um, it's about trans joy. It's about the normalizing of the othered. Um, And I am so grateful to have been given the opportunity to be able to helm telling a different story about this community. So that is happening. That's I have a two lot. other films that I'm. That's on Orion Pictures. I, I have two other films that I'm attached to. Um, you know, I'm starting my company. I sold um, a television show that I have created and written um, to Peacock. Um, you know, Billy, you got to leave just, a little time to sleep. That sounds. And that is that is that is the uh, that is what is happening right now. You know, trying to figure out, okay, now that mogul energy is happening, which is what I wanted, how do I now carve out the time and the space to also be a human being? Well, that's the next layer. Um, And, uh, you know, to be truthfully honest, COVID and the shutdown and the slowing down and the world stopping, you know, really changed me. And has taught me um, the importance of uh, self-care and balance and boundaries. So, um, you know, I am here and I'm present and I'm mindful and I'm available. And, you know, the sky is the limit. There are no, there are no limits. Um, And I'm just trying to move through life with that. Well, we have faith in you, Billy Porter. You can pick up his book, Unprotected, a memoir, 
Thank you, Billy. Thank you. Continued success. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 